Hi everyone, this is the Young Gunners podcast from the Texas Young Lawyer Association. We cut through the noise and discuss practical tips and challenges facing new attorneys in Texas and the United States. In this episode, I am your host, Eduardo Marquez. I am an M&A associate at Sidley Austin in Houston and recording today from the offices of Denham Capital here at Houston. Our guest today is Tony Fiore, Associate General Counsel at Denham Capital, who will talk to us on some practical matters for young lawyers in M&A transactions. Tony, good morning. Thank you for being with us. Good morning, Eduardo. Thanks. Good to be here. Tony, um, could you tell us a little bit about Denham Capital and the M&A work that you do here? Sure. So uh, Denham Capital is a global private equity firm. Uh, we invest in uh, oil and gas, power and renewables, and metals and mining, and we do that globally. Uh, we have uh, uh, over 10 funds that from our inception going back uh, more than a dozen, I guess it's closer to 15 uh, years now, um, uh, it's approximately $10 billion assets under management that uh, we invest in these uh, uh, three different sectors. Among the, thing, among the many hats I wear here, uh, ranging from certain compliance matters to uh, everything that an in-house attorney uh, can encounter, uh, I also spend uh, no small amount of my time uh, either directly overseeing uh, uh, M&A transactions where we might be uh, acquiring a company, something that will be a new uh, uh, portfolio company, or where there are um, issues that have uh, attention internally or where, where, in my judgment, that I think a given portfolio company uh, could use some additional you know, firepower or um, oversight or expertise, uh, I'll involve myself in some of the M&A uh, transactions where they might be uh, acquiring what's going to be the centerpiece asset or uh, of, of what the portfolio company will hopefully turn into something much larger that we'll be able to exit from some years down the line. Um, you know, or um, again, and it depends on the level of, of expertise internally at the uh, portfolio company where uh, uh, they could just use a little extra help. If you could give us a ballpark estimate of how many transactions or M&A transactions you've done, um, maybe in the last year or in the last five years, <laughs> could you give us a number? Um, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm sure I could, like anything, come up with some number, but there are, I would say, dozens of M&A transactions that I touch on every year. I think you get into the question, and this is sort of probably the contrast between in your role um, at Sidley, where you'll be deep inside the mechanics of a given M&A transaction and, and might only work on a number of them, but because you're so intimately involved, there's only, only so much you can spread yourself right. across. Whereas I might be seeing things uh, at a pretty involved level, depending on what the situation is, uh, down to the point of um, the situation warrants commenting on on drafting uh, you know, inside some indemnity provision. I'd say that's pretty uh, unusual, just given the um, uh, 
I'm spread across a lot of things, uh, all the way to simply maybe you know calling up uh, an attorney in a position as, like yourself or uh, any of the other attorneys who have a primary role on the deal to say, hey, I, I need a I need a status update. What's what's important right now uh, in in front of uh, that's in front of us that. In your judgment, based on your experience, um, I, I should be caring about right now, and I, I should be concerned about. Now, my the confidence level I'll have, and in, in knowing who I can ask that question of, and, and get a, a an answer where I, I can have a degree of confidence that that I don't have to sort of push something to the top of the to the front burner and say I better really dig in here. Of course, that that only comes with building a relationship and knowing you can have confidence in, uh, in in the person you're asking that 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 question to. Okay, fair enough. And um, now, um, can you tell us a little bit about your path to becoming associate general counsel? Certainly. So, uh, as we're re recording this in October 2018, so I graduated law school in. Um, I guess it was May 94, uh, admitted to the bar officially uh, January uh, 95. <clears throat> At that point, I practiced my first three three years in Mexico City, uh, working for a, an, a Mexican law firm. Uh, at the time, NAFTA was just starting. It was a pretty ex exciting time. Um, after about three years there, uh, um, my wife and I had our first child. We realized it was time to either sort of maybe make a decision of are, are we going to live in Mexico City for uh, for a long time and uh, or are we uh, maybe going to, as they say, cut cut bait and head back to um, uh, to the United States? And we decided that the best for us was um, to uh, head back to the U.S. And so I started with. Uh, Baker and McKenzie in Houston uh, had just opened an office and spent several years with them and then joined Andrews Kurth uh, after a while. I'd, uh, I'd been doing a lot of, uh, I'd say, oil and gas related work, uh, kind of um, uh, midstream, uh, various sort of pieces of downstream work. And I thought, oh, I really want to get involved with power. And this was yeah, a little bit before, yeah, Enron quite went under. <laughs> uh, and I, I thought, well, you know, I have buddies over at Andrews Kurth. They're doing a lot of power, and you know, he kind of picked up the phone, chatted, and we and joined joined there. And then Enron went went bust, uh, and became pretty quiet for some of my designs to um, fashion myself a little bit more into a, someone with specific power expertise. And uh, uh, so spent several more years uh, there and ultimately going in-house and I had done a significant amount of work um, in engineering and construction and joined a Norwegian um, uh, company uh, uh, based with a division based out of Houston. And then after that, I uh, began to realize that rather than working for the contractor, I really wanted, you know, Often in uh, <clears throat> in uh, construction contracts, often characterize the two parties as uh, um, contractor and owner, or contractor and employer. And I thought, well, let me let me be on the owner side. <laughs> and, and private equity was definitely on the owner side. Uh, and 
so after some conversations, uh, and this is over 10 years now, I joined um, uh, Denim Capital and kind of no looking back since. Now, um, if you want, let's dig in on some practical matters and advice you can give for young associates working on your deals. One common issue that young associates have is time management. What can you tell us about uh, a way or effective ways that an associate should manage his time or her time? Well, I guess let me take this and, and kind of give it. Um, it's the the circumstances in every deal vary, so it's hard 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 to say. Here's what you should do now, and and in, in, in a given deal, and here's what you should wait. You know, um, have wait till later. Every deal is going to have its own set of deadlines. There's going to be a deal timetable of how people envision uh, uh, the deal actually happening and getting to the other side. And I, I only think it comes with experience where you get to gain your own view of how you see a given deal moving from what might be some simple conversations uh, or, or it could be the development of a uh, what could be a very detailed uh, term sheet all the way to uh, how are we going to exchange signature pa pages. Um, and so I think your first step is uh, is trying to uh, wrap your arms around well, what is that deal timetable and then thinking through how you fit into that. Um, you know, are you doing, uh, what are your responsibilities going to be? Who are the who are the team members? Obviously, when you're just starting out, uh, you know, it can be a situation. Hey, I'm just happy to be here. What do I do? Uh, <laughs> and that's that's totally fair. Uh, and but as you uh, as you get experience, you're gonna begin to understand how long things um, should take and how long things uh, then actually take. And you know as as year in year out, you're gonna have a better and better honed sense of, hey, here's how long I think it's going. You know, I did a quick scan of the data room. Just to, you know, this is the the twenty thousand foot level, and I have with a mar, you know, <laughs> might be a pretty big margin of error. I think we're gonna need just the following approximate amount of time and the approximate number of, of of you know, attorneys and other experts involved to sort of start breaking this down, um, or I'm gonna, and then the next step might be, I need five to ten hours actually just to answer that question well, uh, in, in a way that we can all then work into our uh, our, our collective planning. So um, if that. Um, I'd say that's part of the process of, of how you um, are, are going to learn about managing your time. Um, and uh, then I think probably the other thing I, I would say is to, reckon, uh, to recognize when something is taking you a, a long time or it's going to take longer than you thought or you're not going to be able to get to X, Y, or Z components of something because as deals can be fast moving, you get pulled into some other uh, thing. And then somebody's going to turn to you and say, well, where are we on this? It's like, well, I've been working on that. 
said, well, you know, you could turn to the senior attorney and, and think, well, they should have been aware of this because they told me to do that. But this is where, you know, kind of putting on your big boy, big girl pants and saying, you know, you should you know, raise your hand, waved and said, hey, here are the competing things that we're working on. This is how I'm stretched for time. Uh, and, and here's what I can do efficiently or I'm, I'm not going to be able to do. Do we need more resources? Uh, I hate to use the term warm bodies, but there's, there's a, a point where you need, you can require a number of people working on things. Yeah, I think, I think that falls into the um, managing the expectations uh, for the people on your team and for the client. Because like for we sure. said, you know, like when you're a young attorney, sometimes you feel that you don't have control of your time. But you gotta learn to manage the expectations of people and telling them, hey, I would, you know, I love to spend 20 hours in this, but maybe I just have 15 because I'm on these other, I have exactly. these other responsibilities. So one of the things you mentioned uh, was due diligence. Um, this is another task that usually young attorneys uh, lead uh, on an M&A process, uh, the due diligence process. What are some do's and don'ts to do on a due diligence? Okay, well, I, I, let's start maybe with some of uh, the, the do's and this uh, sort of you know, segueing from time management to due diligence. It's like you've got to understand what the basic transaction is. You know, what are what are you trying to achieve here? Um, and uh, so that's. Uh, um, you know, just dro dropping in and not understanding, you know, what what it is in reviewing a set of agreements is part of the ultimate goal of, of the client. Uh, that's that's going to be a real handicap uh, um, for for all the reasons you can think through. Um, and then I think um, as that process is moving forward, you need to be ready to ask questions. You know, not just before, so you understand it, but also during the process, because things are going to be coming up. Uh, they're going to be um, they're going to be different decision points of you know of whether you, you know is the is this important? Is that that important? That's where you know conversations with with the client, um, or at the very least uh, within uh, people within your team, certainly the. Um, you know, the lead uh, deal attorney to to be explaining to him or to her uh, uh, what what you're seeing. So, um, and then as well, I think it's important to understand what the work product is that you're being uh, asked to d deliver. Uh, I, you know, speaking as the client, I have times where I get on the phone w with attorneys and saying, "I want a detailed report." You know. Um, and it needs to look, you know, as follows. Um, and coverage is going to be broad. I want you to hit all the, you know, all the usual suspects. Um, you know, and maybe here are some certain areas that I have particular concern around. Other times, it, it might be we've worked with each other a long time, um, and uh, it, this is a fast-moving deal. Uh, certain risks are built into the price here. Um, look for the following uh, um, type of gotcha things or anything else in your experience that might pop up. 
Now that's pretty, you say, how can I even put my arms around that? Well, that's, that's something that I think when you have the right kind of clients and you can have that conversation uh, and have confidence that nobody's going to come and you know, beat you up later uh, about it uh, to say, here was the time we had and here's what, what we delivered. So understanding what that cl- the client wants is, is obviously going to get you a long way because if you're delivering something that is a, a detailed analysis around the nuances of, uh, of certain aspects of the contract and it's not what the client's asking for, because uh, perhaps it's not what the deal demands, um, then obviously that's going to be a, a divergence between client expectations and You're going to have an, another discussion. And there's another client. discussion coming <laughs> that might include why did you bill me all this time <laughs> exactly. on this stuff. So, um, so you mentioned uh, the data room. Uh, what are data rooms? I remember when I started working, it was like, yeah, check the data room. It's like, <laughs> uh, and I guess the other thing, and for the benefit of our of our, our listeners, um, did, did data rooms always exist, or how was due diligence done also back then? <laughs> well, I'm not I'm not that old that, that we're uh, um, yeah I've been practicing now for for twenty twenty some twenty plus years, but. Uh, uh, going uh, uh, going back in the, the way back machine uh, for those who know that re- reference from a certain cartoon that was on when I was a young kid but uh, uh, the uh, the data room well it's the, the data room is this is a reference to what are all the due diligence materials that you're going to review um, are they located in one place is it at the offices of the Target, there are you know um, nine warehouse type rooms. That, you know, good luck. Or have they uh, have things been consolidated in certain ways and organized? And and that's what we're talking about when when we mean a data room. And and it, going back, it used to be or often would be a room. Uh, and the the room contained you know, various all the bankers boxes that. Uh, filled with things, and uh, if if the uh, seller had had done their uh, done their work, and hopefully you know, they had to get things organized, uh, everything was kind of grouped neatly, saying, "Well, look, these are all our offtake contracts, or these are all our this type of agreement with vendors, or here are all our service agreements for X, Y, or Z type of things. Uh, here are all our agreements relating to you know, the various debt financing we have in, in place." So that would be a day in, in the modern uh, day of uh, um, which uh, um, it, it, everything you know, being being put online. Uh, there are plenty of services out there that uh, the room is virtual, and uh, there are folders you go and, and click and say, "Ah, well, here's all the information on uh, on the, the litigation that the company has in, in a certain area," and uh, uh, so. <clears throat> so it's it's the same concept of, of there's a room, uh, but it's virtual. Although they're not always as well organized. Even, <laughs> even sometimes it is a uh, it is a it feels like people are as I say you know flying by the seat of their pants and and in, in the modern era here you'll get a often typically an email that will tell you that there's been more information uploaded into a given folder and people are doing it in real time all the way up to you know to the 11th hour there's new information coming yeah. in because n- not everybody is you know none of us are as always as organized as we'd like to be 
So one of the things that we have been talking about is um, client, uh, attorney-client communications in the sense of, um, of, of, being, of having a good, a good communication with your client. Um, I think this is one of the most important skills that we have to develop as young attorneys, um, you know, effective communications with the client. What do you expect from lawyers working with you on a deal? Um, I, I think the most important thing for me is um, because I, I have so many, in my role, I have so many different things going on of which this deal, which might have several attorneys from a given firm, uh, um, there might be 10, ten attorneys from a given firm touching a particular deal and spending uh, the better part of their day every day you know, for weeks or um, hopefully not longer than weeks but, uh, <laughs> on it. I, I may or may not have um, that the luxury uh, to be involved day in, day out, be involved in every call. Um, so one of the things I lay out for the attorneys, and not everybody would necessarily want this, is keep me copied. Um, copy me on the material uh, exchanges that are, that are going on. Um, I, it's one thing I might not have time to, to join a call because of competing uh, matters, uh, but uh, I will at least have a, a time to, um, and sometimes it's just a skim, to skim an email to see if there's there's something that I, I want to drill down further in. So um, that's one thing. Periodically, I'll often um, ask for a written update, and it's usually um, uh, and, uh, phrased, and you may have, uh, might have experienced or or directly or indirectly a request like 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 this, uh, which is. Can you provide me some bullet points of where we are, some of the key issues, overview of where you, where in your judgment we are in terms of timing? Um, and the key word there is some bullet points. Yeah. Um, and you know, for a lot of us, we work in, you know, the details are important, and there's a lot of nuance to things, and there becomes it's it can often only come with experience, and it helps to have some. Uh, you know, a read of the client and what they want, um, but uh, deciding what you can reasonably um, leave out and what you can put in a, in a concise, succinct summary of here are the things you know you should be aware of. Um, you can always add there are other things. I'm happy to brief you further, but be mindful of who your client is and what his or her time, um, uh, her, her his or her, her schedule might look like. Um, and so that that uh, the attorneys that can do that that for me, um, I look to as very valuable uh, because they really help me leverage uh, uh, my my own time in, in the best possible way, so I can target it to uh, to where it really needs to be targeted. You know, just to get a little bit um, more sense on. On the structure on a on a on a basic M and A deal, um, I think we could say that the basic structure is advisory and structuring. You know, when you get the term sheet and you get the deal structure, when you do the due diligence that we discussed, then you have the drafting of the documents and the negotiation mm -hmm. with the other parties, and then you sign. Um, 
and hopefully you close, which means that you know you bought the asset or you sold the asset. What else do you expect from a young associate after closing a transaction? Uh, from a young associate, um, one of the key things is um, uh, the checklist. Uh, there are a lot of moving parts in these transactions. Uh, so uh, there is going to be a, a set of checklists um, kept. Uh, this can relate to uh, matters that are um, open in uh, due diligence of things, uh, loops that need closed, information that, that you know has not been obtained or has not yet been reviewed, or has not yet been reviewed by uh, by persons who have a particular expertise, um, and uh, to, these these are not things, particularly in a, in a complicated deal, that uh, one person can or ever should try and just keep in, keep in their head. It's uh, it would take a very remarkable individual and then you also run into problems of the best way to inform people is to circulate the checklist so, <laughs> so unless you're in a position to always be briefing people it's it's, it's that can be tough so um, their checklists around due diligence their checklists around what it takes uh, for uh, uh, to get actual to signature and depending on whether it's a sign and close whether there's closing that comes after what it's going to take to get to closing so uh, the uh, the the younger attorney on on the deal, uh, he or she is typically going to be tasked to say, keep this list, and you're going to scramble around and, and say, well, <laughs> what what goes in this list? And well, that's obviously where you're going to be gathering some precedent, and you know can look to your colleagues or what you've already built up to say, well, you know, here are here are useful templates that and you have to be careful about this because every deal is different, and that's one of the things I've cautioned somebody is don't get caught in the trap and, and this takes effort and time of of using things from an old deal that is not quite um, gonna fit this deal um, that gets noticed and that's not the level of professionalism you want to bring to it um, and then you're gonna be looked to as part of the these clo uh, the closing checklist um, is well where are all the where are all the signature pages and there might be a hundred signature pages uh, on all sorts of documents, uh, you know, some some of which, unless you're familiar with the deal, seem to be the most obtuse, <laughs> unexpected types of, of things that all may tie back into something that came out in diligence, that came out as, as part of understanding how the deal was being structured. Then once all that happens, um, it's okay let's, um, we're going to need closing binders. What are the closing binders? Well, it's all the important documents, uh, all the relevant you know, uh, documents that went into how the deal came together. Um, and there's, you're going to start uh, with a, probably a pretty long index um, to, so you can know, you know, what, what are what these? What are we talking about? It might be 10, 10 documents and the, the closing binder, uh, which is really good just, you know, in the modern day, we don't even ask anymore for uh, for hard copies uh, of things. It's you know, send over a, a thumb drive, or you know, still look at the occasional um, you know, DVD, CD, CD-ROM. But uh, you know, or you know, sometimes it's just send a zip file by by email that contains everything, um, and in there will be. You know, everything collated all of the signature pages 
And here's the important thing, um, is to move quickly um, to put together that, that closing binder. As soon as that deal closes, you will be pulled on to other things. And, uh, and you will forget about X, Y, or Z um, uh, details of what needs to, to go in, and it will take you longer to sort of resurrect that memory of where something is. Um, so uh, as tired as you might be, uh, and it's not to say you shouldn't you know, go home and because there's you know, you know, sleep, you do need sleep as much <laughs> as there might be the occasional times you're pulling, really pulling it out. Uh, you do need sleep in order to be able to think clearly. But so do at the right times, make sure you get that, but then push through, um, you know, prepare the closing binders, get them out uh, and into the client's hand, and uh, and then you'll be able to, to be, uh, have your plate as clear as you can get to look forward to the next deal. Yeah, I think I've been there, you know, I've been uh, sometimes very responsive, deliver the closing binder immediately. It took, um, you know, not as long as you would think that it would take. But then when you uh, when you let you know a couple of weeks uh, go sure. by, you know it'll take longer, and then you'll you'll send something to the client and say like, oh, so this is the closing binder for you know the transaction we did a couple of months ago. It's like, oh, here you go. So yeah, um, and I think it's important for you, know, you. You don't want to have the client asking you asking you for it. You know, two months later to say where where's the closing binder? And here's one other little thing. There might be. You know, all the checklists are designed to present this, uh, prevent this, um, and, and we have our own internal procedures that we work through with law firms to prevent such thing. But there might be some document, or there was something somehow that's missing, or you can't uh, track down, uh, which uh, the 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 train starts to leave the station in terms of your ability to uh, to correct for uh, for something. It's a lot easier to do. Uh, at day two, rather than say week two or or worse, you know, month two following yeah. uh, following a closing. Yeah, definitely. Um, thank you, Tony. Um, any final advice that comes to mind? I would just say, look, be accessible to your clients, uh, but uh, don't be annoying with them <laughs> to the point of uh, you know it, it's always striking a balance of of you know, how do you be. Uh, uh, available to a client and you know because we're, we're all uh, someone once said to me we're all in the profit-making business uh, which is not actually in a in a setting that was was involving directly the practice of law but I you know keep that in yeah uh, keep that in mind that you know, people's time time is, is valuable and, and people understand that you do want to stay connected w w with them but strike the right balance um, Remember, you're there to serve your client, um, and you know, serving their client, the client comes in a couple different forms. It's obviously protecting uh, the, their interests, um, but it's also understanding what's important to them. So you know, I can't answer what that is, but that's something for you to think about. Um, all, and then also follow up with your client, um, whether it's on the particular matter, to say, hey, um, I sent you that email. Uh, about you know X Y or Z issue, uh, I wanted to follow up. Um, it's been you know, two days or it's been two weeks. 
and that's sort of getting to know your clients of uh, yeah I, I'm actually can be quite grateful when when there's follow-up and, and sometimes it's uh, often can be more than once <laughs> of saying hey Tony uh, uh, about about this issue uh, um, and uh, uh, then um, also uh, maintain your composure um, in M&A deals look things can get tense and uh, you know, negotiations take on their own live, lives, the, the frustrations that, that crop up, the personalities of the individual involved, including at your own uh, uh, at your own client. But remember, you're being watched not just by your own client, but by the, the counterparty. And, um, and you might be have a day where, you, you know, and it's five years down, down the line, where somebody that was involved in a, in a deal says, hey, you know, I, you know, I, I like the the way Eduardo handled himself. He was looking for solutions. He kept his cool, and he's he's the kind of uh, you know guy I want involved in, in in this deal. You never you never really know where your clients come from, and your composure is not just for the benefit of your client. It's it's uh, it's really for yourself. And also be aware that this is the practice of law, and uh, you will. You will make mistakes. Uh, there, there will be, you know, and hopefully it's not an outright, you know, error, but it will be a judgment where oh, I should have handled it this way, or we should have addressed it in the documents and in, in in that way. This would have been been better. So, learn how to address those mistakes and and be ready to have a conversation in the right way at the right time. Uh, uh, with with your client, I in the last you know ten ten years at at, at, de, at denim, uh, I, you know, to say we haven't had deals where there have been you know mistakes, um, you know, uh, the the reality is there are always going to be uh, mistakes. Now you hope that they're small ones, that they're not going to have a material impact, um, not expensive mistakes, and not ex yeah not expensive <laughs> mistakes, um, and. I can't tell you how to, to address the mistake, but um, it's something you should be, uh, be ready to address uh, in the right way at, at the right, right time. Well, thank you very much, Tony. This has been uh, great and very helpful. Thank you all for listening to our young gunners from the Texas Young Lawyers Association. Um, don't forget to check out other episodes available on our website, tyla.org, and wherever you get your podcast. If you have a topic you want to hear about, email us at tyla at texasbar.com or send us a tweet at, at Texas text young lawyers using the hashtag younggunners. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. We hope to see you back here for another episode.